Welcome back to Women Making Moves, where we celebrate the moves that women are making. My name is Amy Pons. I'm a master certified life coach and an energy healer. I'm joined today with Virginia Lacayo. Virginia Lacayo, PhD, is co-founder and CEO of Massive, a coaching practice that guides and equips business leaders called to use their status and power to take on systemic change. Dr. Lacayo is a certified mindset coach, a thought leader in the field of communication for social organizational change, a complexity scientist, a systemic leadership expert. Virginia is a committed social entrepreneur and feminist activist. She mentors women activists fighting for social justice throughout Latin America. Virginia hosts the popular Spanish language podcast, Indomable, and also serves as president of FCAM, a feminist organization supporting women's rights in Central America. Dr. Lacayo holds dual citizenship from Nicaragua and France and currently resides in Austin, Texas, Since earning her doctorate in communication for development from the University of Ohio, Virginia's rich and diverse background stretches across four continents and includes consulting, facilitating, serving as a faculty member, working for the UN, and producing a successful television show. Virginia, welcome. Thank you, Amy. So, so, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I am too. From the moment we met, let's see, we met in late 2023, right? And the moment we shared really safe, sacred energy, it was pretty phenomenal. And we're like, oh, we need to talk more. What's amazing is we know we're going to intertwine paths. And as we flow, we're going to figure out what brought us together. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you were, uh, before we start recording, we were having a conversation about what is happening right now in the world and the energy that is happening in the world and how women are feeling that energy and being called to do something different. And so they, they're doing different things in their life, the best they can, the best they know. But some of us know that this is bigger than some individuals, that this is really something that affects all of us and is going to change the, the trajectory of history and life and leadership and business and social issues and everything. And few of us are have the intuition and that's what I think connect us that we have the intuition that we know where this is going and we know that is the beginning of a massive revolution and we're so happy to be part of that and to be able to guide and help and encourage as much as we can the women that are going to make this happen and Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that we're playing that role and I think that that's what you know connect us in the first place I mean there is a reason why we connect with each other. Our spirit teams were working really hard. Well, maybe not working really hard. They're just like, boop, boop, here you go. You two meet each other. I love how you talk about the shift as it relates to a revolution. Like for those who don't know, what are we talking about? So what we're talking about in Virginia, I want your thoughts too about how you define that. What is the revolution taking place right now? For me, what that looks like and what I talk about is that For thousands of years, the divine feminine has been exiled and we've been operating here on earth or otherwise, you know, on this plane skewed solely in the masculine, which has become now toxic. So this shift is what I know to be true for me is that post pandemic, I was like, okay, I'm feeling something that is unfamiliar. My day to day, I had been feeling kind of antsy for many years. And it was all leading to what I now know, the pandemic allowed me to 
sit and stay and feel, go inward and do some of the things and feel some of the things that I maybe had been avoiding in the day to day of um, the hustle and bustle. And I didn't have to pay attention to what I was feeling inward. And so the awakening that I felt was my divine feminine calling me back in terms of calling me back to myself and trusting my own self and assessing the stories I had always been told my entire life that didn't serve my soul essence. And so the shift for me has been healing, not just my internal trauma, but also all of that from my ancestral. And I have been chosen to wake up in this plane, awaken, feel it all. And it's a lot of work. And, but to take on that, that healing for all of the women before me and restoring that balance which really encouraged me to step out into the unknown, into my 3D discomfort over a year ago and to start doing all of this great work to help others step through the shift, as I like to call it, or the awakening or the revolution. And what we're simply talking about, or I am, is restoring the balance between the divine feminine and masculine and the women of the world are being asked and called to step forward and be and do that. So Two questions for you. What does the revolution look like for you? And why are some people scared of it? Well, yeah. Uh, The revolution for me, what I was referring to is a a massive change. And I'm talking here from, uh, my husband says that I'm a scientist witch. There is a part of me that is scientist. There is a part of me that is a witch that is very intuitive and connected to the energy around us and to the humanity of the world and the scientists in me actually that they're very in line both sides because the scientist is me as a complexity scientist I know that complex adaptive systems like the world like society but also business industries organizations families you know any group of humans that interact with each other in unpredictable and controllable ways are complex adaptive systems. And it's well known that complex systems like that are constantly evolving. And these systems need some level of stability to survive. And at the same time, it needs periodically moments of chaos to evolve. So the revolution is that part of the chaos where the things that were working before stop working. There is a saying that I totally adopted that is we didn't in, invent the bulb, you know, the electric bulb by improving the candles. We need a radical change. It's not by improving. And it's true that for centuries, we've been living in a system led by the masculine. And the masculine, what it does is to create order and a structure. And then my thing that we're innovative and we're improving, we're improving things within the structure, within that order, we make the order more tight. We tied up some things, we fix some things. We, that's, that's very masculine and that is needed, but that doesn't allow the system to evolve, meaning to really go to the 2.0 version of it. We stayed in the 1.0, but 1.2, 1.5, 1.8, and we stay in that level. Limited. Yeah, I mean, we improve it, but we improve it in some ways. But then it gets to a point where the, let's say the operative system, like if we talk of a computer, obviously we're not computers, we're not machines, but just to make it easy to understand, 
the operating system, there is so many versions you can have of the same operating system to improve their functionality or their performance. After a point, there is no more patches allowed. You know, it doesn't allow for more patches. And we feel it in at the individual level and the collective level as discomfort. When we are, and you can you can actually see it in, in your personal life. You have your plans, you have your way of doing things, you have your life, you have your lifestyle, your family, everything, and gets to a point where your coping mechanism, what you do to feel better, what you do to compensate, they're not enough. The level of discomfort is so big that you feel an urge that is biological urge to make radical changes. And sometimes it's leaving your job and starting a business or changing your family, you know, leaving your partnership or changing yourself, but it's radical change. And that's your system telling you that the capacity to improve at one level has reached the limit and you need a radical change. And I think in this moment, we are in that phase where the whole system is feeling uncomfortable and is ready to be challenged and change radically. And that is not just to improve. It's like, okay, let's review this. Let's start all over again. So it's not, for me, it's not really about restoring balance because it sounds like we are in chaos and we need to go back to a balanced place actually is to start a new different kind of balance Mm -hmm. is to go through a moment of chaos and, and shaking the system from the roots and COVID has started that. I mean, if we didn't get the signal, it's like, we're too blind. That started because the the level of changes that COVID created in our systems were pretty, pretty hard. And it just created a platform saying like, as a system, I'm shaking myself and shaking everybody within the system to change this. This is an opportunity for us to say like, okay, if we have to review what systems are not working for us anymore, the leadership approach that we have, the leadership style that we have is not working for us anymore. Our business structures, our business style and way of working, performing is not working for us anymore. You know, technology is going farther, is faster than our capacity to understand it. Those are signals that we need to stop trying to improve what doesn't work anymore and change it radically. So why is so hard for some people to your second question? The system will change no matter what is is greater than us. Society is greater than us as individuals. So it will change. The question is like, do we want to be leading that change or we want the change happen to us and decide by itself? Think of an organization. The organization per, per se is greater than the sum of the parts. Any group the collective intelligence of a group is greater than the sum of the parts. And it will behave in ways that is not necessarily easy to explain by the individual's behavior. That means that the system is an ecosystem, is a living organism that is deciding that it's time to evolve and time to change. We as leaders, and we are all leaders in one way or the other, We as leaders have the capacity to step in and influence the direction of that change or let the change happen to us and keep living in a reactive mode, which is a very masculine way of living, is to react to the changes and try to restore order, restore structure. The feminine is the opposite. The feminine is 
is the creative and is somehow the destructive in a good way. The feminine destroys fire. So it destroys, even in a, if you think of a forest, the forest set, <laughs> yeah, the forest set itself on fire, not necessarily by humans. Sometimes the forest does it by itself to clean the space for the new, to open space for new plants, to remove all trees that are like really too old and sick and are preventing the sunlight from reaching the new plants, for instance. So the fire does that by itself because that's what ecosystems do. And so society is doing that, but that fire is feminine energy. Ecosystems like forests, they don't have dynamic of power between the masculine and the feminine. They're, they collaborate. The fires clean, destroy in a positive way, destroy what is what doesn't work anymore, destroy what is toxic, what is preventing the ecosystem from growing and evolving, and allows for a space to, to create the new. And then the masculine nurture that creation and put order again in that new creation, but it has to be in the new part. So the masculine actually should be at the service of the feminine, not the other way around. What is happening right now, from my perspective, is a little bit of that. From a scientific point of view, I can tell that complex systems like ecosystems, like society, have to evolve every now and then. We as humans have been preventing that evolution for many, many years. But there is a point where the system is saying, like, I can't keep improving and patching what is not working. I'm going to force a change. And sometimes that force came in the in natural ways, like COVID, like hurricanes, like earthquake. You don't do it, I'll do it for you. And then you're going to have to start again and start anew. And when you start again, it's never going to be even look like what it was before. So the system is telling us, now is the time to evolve. You either lead this change or I force it on you. And you have to tap into your feminine energy to not choose reactive and trying your best to go back to what it was because that doesn't work anymore. And it doesn't work with the, the loss of evolution. So why we're resistant to that? For two reasons, mainly. First is because, because the masculine has dominated the society and society behavior for so long and it created systems that keep everything in place. That's, that's the structure, keeps power dynamics in place, keep a structure in place, keeps order in place, keep hierarchies in place. And that is, you know, what we know as belief systems that are the ones that regulate our behavior. That is patriarchy, white supremacy, consumerist capitalism, and religion fundamentalist. Those are the belief system that have socialized us and conditioned us to behave in a way that keep the system in place. So those belief systems are resisting change, obviously, because their role is to keep things the same. And on the other hand, the human brain that we are supposed to lead the change, the human brain is always afraid of change because the human brain is controlled by our survival brain. And the survival brain thinks that any change is a threat to life. It's not true. We know that consciously, but unconsciously, any change in our life, even the small changes, let alone big changes at the society level, are considered by our ego that is trying to protect our identity and our life 
and is regulated by the primitive brain, that is the survival brain, is considered as a threat. So we're going to resist it as much as we can. The problem is that no matter how much our ego wants to survive and our brain wants us to survive an imaginary threat, the system, our whole system that is a whole human being, that is not just that part of the brain, but it's also the conscious brain, it's our soul, it's our guts, it's our instinct, everything else is pushing against it. It's saying like, I don't care if you're afraid, we're going to change your like it or not. So you either in or not. And it's our duty actually to say like, if change is unavoidable, I better be at the front row. You know, I better be leading this change in a way that benefits everybody, not just me. And it's not about surviving. It's about evolving. But we have to fight a system that will fight back because it doesn't want to change. And we have to fight an ego and a survival brain that doesn't want to change that's yeah. what makes us human capacity to see this and do it in spite of your point of any change is a threat to life that is a real real threat that comes in and to your point getting us past the cognitive and getting into the creative to potentially or to ponder what could be change that is safe. And we explore that. And that's for me, like, that's what coaching does is help someone move past the first part of the brain into the second. But there's a couple things that you said that you're absolutely right. It's not about creating a balance. That balance has actually never been there. I like how you're talking about let's create chaos to create a new balance, a new way. And then also, of course, people are resistant or scared or to the shift that might be happening because the order that you're talking about that has always been in place, that's how everyone, that's how the masses have quote unquote felt safe and secure is by that order. And for us to suggest chaos to uproot that, well, that's a lot of change all at once. And it seems to your point for those who are resistant, when it's forced upon them, they will react even harder. So what types of moves are you excited to be making both in your personal life, but also as being the co-founder and the CEO of Massive, what moves are you making to help create those glimpses of safety, both with those who are resisting it, but also for those that are flowing with it? I think that the, the main thing, and it's not just me, I mean, there are several of us, we're seeing a raise in the level of consciousness of a lot of people and people at the top, which is was about time, to be honest, because societies have changed, systems have changed historically from the bottom up. But now we're seeing more people at the top that have the power and the resource to make things happen, raising their level of consciousness, understanding that the only thing that is being threatened is the ego, can be the personal ego and is the collective ego. And the ego is not us. It's just a projection of our identity and the way we want to control reality to make it perceive them, perceive reality as safe. Reality has always been safe and has always been unsafe if you want to at the same time. It is what it is. So uh, if you're capable by doing the inner work that we all have to do to separate that, you're more capable to step on where we are right now. We are at the age, at the very age of stability and chaos. Chaos is happening right now. 
Artificial intelligence is bringing chaos to society and to business and to everything. Communication, you know, all the massive communication that we have, all the mass media through the social media that we're having are creating chaos, are creating confusion. Everything that we want to hold on to is not working. And that is creating an instability. So we are at the age and that's a privileged place to be. Because then you can see both ways. You can see what it was and see, okay, this is working and this, all this, 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 this is not working. So I can keep this. That fear of chaos is, is not sustainable in the sense that chaos per se, from a scientist point of view, from a complexity science point of view, it lasts a very, very short time. After the minutes of chaos that we have, we enter into the realm of complexity. And complexity is a space where not everything is defined and linear and easy to understand in a logic linear way, but it's a place where everything can be discovered and we start seeing patterns emerging. And that's the new, it's the new stability, the new reality that we're constructing. And complexity is so, so plastic in many ways that we can directed and guided and influenced to shape it in the way that, you know, we want it to be. So we are right now in a privileged position to be at the edge where we can see both ways and we can make decisions. As long as we're capable to separate ourselves from that all identity that we built, both individually and collective, and say, that that doesn't define me. Like, I'm not defined by who I was when I was six years old or five. I'm not that person. I'm Virginia, yes, but I'm not the little girl that was a six. I don't think the same way. I don't feel the same way. I don't behave the same way. So that identity that I have then has evolved. And me allowing that evolution takes me to where I am right now. And I'd rather be this than what I was at six. And I love that girl anyway, but it's not about that. It's not about her. It's just about the the identity that the ego had to build at that time that fortunately has evolved and changed and becoming who it is right now and it's open to change again. So I think that what what we're doing, some of us are doing, and definitely what I'm doing, what I feel is my mission, now that I'm seeing that level of raise in consciousness with people at the top, I feel that my mission in life is revealing at this moment in my life. Because it's a whole life being an activist and a feminist and challenging the systems that we have and everything that I have learned and I study and work on understanding complex adaptive systems and how they work and change and everything I understand about the mind and the ego and how to change our perspective to allow for change and to direct change in the way that we want to. All of that is finally getting together to be able to to put me in a position to be able to guide people that says, I'm in the change process. I want to be part of it. I want to influence it in a way that benefits everybody. I want to bring my own feminine energy, no matter if you're a man or a woman or you identify with any gender, bringing that feminine energy and say, I'm going to use it to destroy what is not working, what is toxic, and to create a space for creativity and innovation and radical change, like the newness that I might not even imagine right now. And it's okay. It's just to be able to say, like, I'm willing to allow myself 
to tap into that creative energy and to bring others and to tap into the collective intelligence and creativity to come up with something that we can imagine yet. And especially me, because I'm a single human, but together we can imagine something that we haven't imagined yet and come up with something new. And that is bringing the collective feminine energy to play and allow it. But we need to develop certain skills. We need to overcome our own resistance to change ourselves and to change the world and develop certain skills to be able to be the kind of leader that lead from that feminine energy, that lead from that holistic perspective, that lead with a understanding of complexity and how complex systems work and change, and to lead from the values that we want to bring to the newness, to the new things that we want to create. So my role right now is to offer that guide and to offer that help to other leaders, especially leaders that identify as women, and especially those self-identify women that also come from marginalized groups, because I feel that, and I'm certain by experience and my whole life experience, that these humans have already the power of the vision of, of understanding what doesn't work and what needs to change and somehow how to change it. We just need to give them more tools and skills and powers and conditions to bring about that change. Yeah, we're going to get into that article. I believe that all humans over the past year, but specifically over the past two months, I have felt an energetic shift toward what resonates with me with what you just said about the higher consciousness, the expansion, the upgrade, whatever you want to call it. That has happened in all humans over the past few months, depending on where you are in your journey. And I like to think that what you're suggesting is it doesn't have to be this big, it doesn't necessarily have to be chaos, depending on where you are in your journey. It could be your willingness to be open to being part of the change. Like things don't feel good. Well, what can we do as a collective to change that? And I like how you're suggesting it because some of the terms like a revolution could seem scary, especially to those people who feel safe in the order and like the, you know, the order that they're trying to protect so hard. So simply being open, that that is the how that you get started into what we're suggesting. And you alluded to this, but I really want to touch on now something that you posted a couple days ago and that I shared broadly. And I would encourage everyone listening, please read this article. Virginia writes, women leaders from marginalized groups are called to change the dynamics of power in the world. Whether CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit executives, politicians, or public figures, women from traditionally marginalized groups have a perspective on power that inspires them to lead differently. They are the new force, not just working within systems, but leading their transformation. They are the casicas of modern times. And Virginia writes a beautiful, awesome, mind-blowing, game-changing article called The Return of the Casicas. Virginia, tell me about what inspired you to write this article. I know we touched on earlier that you're a scientist witch, and I personally resonate with that as I'm a, an elemental healing witch. To your point about seeing both sides in kind of like the old world, like I'm a, I'm a certified coach, I'm a life coach, you know, but I also am doing that through an intuitive sense of reading energy and an all-knowing of being able to help someone through to what can be. So 
I consider myself a Kasika. Tell us more. Tell us everything about this article. Well, um, I use the Kasika as a metaphor to represent the divine feminine, actually. is The Kasikas were indigenous leaders from the pre-colonial time in Latin America, and especially in the Caribbean, where I'm from. I mean, Nicaragua, Central America, and the Caribbean. And so I use that specifically. They They were named after the female leaders of the tribe, uh, the Taino tribes. And what I like about the female leaders of pre-colonial indigenous communities is that really the colonies are the ones that brought to our world, to this part of the world, the concept of patriarchy and, and religious fundamentalism and and later consumerist capitalism and white supremacy. And so I was wondering what kind of leadership we have before and how female leaders were leading differently than men. And that had happened through history since the beginning of humanity. Actually, female leaders have led differently. And we have way more female leaders that share the same leadership styles that history has recorded. So history is because it's, it's being written by men and white men mostly then we we have erased, they have erased a lot of the female leadership that happened before the colonies and even after the colonies. But if you do a little bit of research, you, you find out that even though indigenous leaders, pre-colonial leaders, pre-European leadership approaches, they were more inclusive and holistic and participatory and way more democratic in many ways. But female leaders in particular brought more that concept of inclusion, of consensus, of uh, really bringing everybody perspective, even children perspective, and being connected to nature and having that holistic view of how can I benefit, how can I make a priority the well-being of my community while at the same time keeping a sustainable environment, taking care of nature, they were more connected. They were also the healers. They were more connected to the gods that they have at the time. They were more connected to the energy in general, to the collective energy, to the Mother Earth. I mean, they lead from a place of love and communal well-being in general. And we have, we lost a lot of that, even with most of women leading right now, because unfortunately, patriarchy has forced us to say, like, if you want to lead, if you want to have a seat at the table, you have to lead like a man. That's the only way you're going to be accepted and you're going to be respected as a leader. But leading as a man means that we have to ignore and repress the natural leadership skills that we have as women or men that have a strong divine feminine inside and they feel their their that energy this kind of human that we have a strong feminine divine feminine inside and we want to lead from that divine feminine we have to repress it in order to have a place at the table and to participate in the decision making but even women that have to play with those roles that are the system's role make huge and different contributions than men in the same system. I mean, we've seen them, and I explained in the article how there are many studies that shows that when women achieve executive position in the corporate sector or a nonprofit and in the public sector, the agendas change. The agendas for laws, for policies, for what we make a priority, what we need to focus on, what get more resources. 
and what get less is very different when women are leading. And at the corporate sector is also overwhelming proof that the divine energy, the feminine divine energy is leading the corporations. The corporations and business have way better performance and are more profitable as well. And there is a reason for that. We are capable of retaining talent better. They're more innovative, the organizations, just because that leadership skills that are more inclusive allows for more innovations, allows for a sense of belonging, allows for more level of commitment, individual commitment to the organization, allows for people to work from their zone of genius. I mean, there are many, many benefits of leading from those characteristics. But, you know, patriarchy doesn't like that because it's a threat to the identity of the patriarchy, to the ego of the patriarchy as a system. So obviously you're going to fight that. It's been centuries that women have to fight for a way to influence the decisions that we are making that affects everybody in a way that without stop being a woman because we can, or having that divine feminine inside because we can, it's there, it's part of our nature, how to fight against that and repress it and oppress it in a way that we achieve that capacity or that position. I think this is a time to vindicate that natural, ancient, leadership styles that we still have. We might need to develop some skills, but we still have. And tap into that, not only individually, but also collectively to bring about a different kind of leadership for the world. My favorite part of the entire article, as I was reading it, I was like a dog with a bone. I was like, more, more. It was like you were able to take me through literally thousands of years, or you took me from like the beginning of time to present day in this one article. And what came into my mind was a, I'm a visual processor. And so, you know, that visual of a sea creature that evolves into a person walking. Have you seen that kind of visual? Your article took me through the visual of the very first indigenous woman leader to present day woman leader. And it was almost like that, that visual in reverse, meaning we've gone backwards from a divine feminine. I want to create that visual the other way around again, or it's like taking it from where the the woman leader is today and merging to your point, like what we've been talking about, both sides are like the old and new and the paradigms and things of that nature. And what you talk about, like the how is being the conscious leader. I'm going to read a quote from the article that presents the how. An intersectional leadership approach combines three unique paradigms necessary for leading deep systemic change. Number one, feminism. Number two, neuroscience. And number three, complexity science. Virginia, without going too deep for anyone who doesn't know one or any of those, how would you share those three for any women leaders or any women, any person listening to this right now who wants to start bringing conscious leadership into their own lives, what would you share about those three that are needed to drive the change both within themselves, but also in the collective? Okay, I will explain it this way. We are playing a game with certain rules that have been fixed way before we were born and many of generations. So we came into the play without knowing that there were those rules. We're just told the rules, right? That without question them. And we've been socialized since we were born to believe that all those belief systems were true and were our own. 
that that was our ideas and they were true. So we didn't never challenge them. The good news is that we all have that divine feminine inside that never went away and that never died. It's just been repressed. If we start leading from that divine feminine, we're going to change no matter how we do it. We're going to change the way we lead. And by leading differently, we're going to get different results. That's mathematic. That's science, period. We change the way we behave and we get different results. The problem is that we have all that. It's not that we have to become a divine feminine or we have to become women or we have to go back to being indigenous and caciques. It's not about that. It's we have them. But we need to unlearn what we have learned and relearn some of the skills that we have at the very intuitive level, but we might not be able to recognize right now. And to achieve that, we need three things. To be able to lead from that perspective that is holistic, that is systemic, meaning that understand the system and therefore can change it from that place of inclusion and compassion and equity and justice, and from that place of ego management. And so we can be stay humble and, and really open our mind to what is possible. That's really what it's all about, is relearn those skills. So how feminists help, and it's not about you becoming a feminist. It's not about the label. You don't have to call yourself a feminist. But if you think that, okay, I want to be more inclusive. I want to be compassionate. I want to be able to see the wisdom on everybody and respect it and understand it and see the dynamics of power that are in play in the system and change the dynamics of power. That's all about what feminist is all about. It's about changing the dynamics of power for dynamics that are more equitable and that benefit everybody. It's as simple as that. But for you to do that, it's not about going to school and become a feminist and feminist studies. And it's not about that. It's about starting by what I call decolonizing your mind, meaning to challenge and review all the beliefs that we've been socialized with, that we believe that our own beliefs and that they're true, and start challenging them and say, like, what does it mean to be who I think I am? What does it mean in this society? What I've been told about what is true, what is possible for me, what is not possible, what is possible about people like me. I mean, it's really develop a critical mind. Having a feminist approach is developing a high critical mind when it comes to power, where powers come from and how it's used and what is the purpose of it. But then you need to also, part of that process, to be able to unlearn and to relearn and to challenge and to create new definitions and to say, what is a leader for me now that I understand dynamics of power, how a leader behaves and all those questions that we need to ask ourselves. You also need to understand a little bit of how your mind works and how other people's mind work and how to manage your thoughts and your emotions so they don't control you, which is also a way of saying, I'm going to tell my ego, I'm going to appreciate it. I'm going to say, ego, thank you so much for keeping me alive. Thank you so much for protecting me. I don't need you to do that for me anymore. It's good that I understand that part of my psyche as a human means that I need a way to differentiate myself from others. But let's do that, not in terms of how I'm better than other people, but how I contribute differently to, to society than other people. That's what the ego should be for but we're using it wrongly and we're letting the ego 
based on fear, making all our decisions and controlling our behavior. So that is taking the ego controls back and say, we're not going to work from fear. We're going to work from love. You still have a role to play. You're welcome, but I'm going to take the shots. I'm going to decide what is the role that you're going to play for me. That's part of the neuroscience component of intersectional leader. And the third one is complexity science. And that is that we've been socialized since Newton to believe that the, the world works like a clock, like a machine, that you, if you understand the parts, you understand the whole, that everything is the sum of the parts, that more information, more control, more commanding, more direction is going to get you the results you want. We know now that that never happened. Never. Tell me when a log frame actually works exactly as you put it in paper. When a plan, especially when it's a long-term plan, works exactly the way you write it down. Never happen. So instead of fighting with what is, complexity science teaches to understand what is, how reality actually works, how systems actually work, and work with that and use really tapping to that collective intelligence and power of the system to solve highly complex problems that we as individuals with a linear mindset, we cannot solve and set the system no better. So you as a leader become, from a systemic perspective, you become a facilitator. Your role is to help the system to share a vision, to have a shared vision, create conditions for innovation and creativity and for the system to do what it does best, which is evolve and solve complex problems, to remove obstacles, to provide resource and then stay out of the way. And that's the systemic leadership approach. So if you combine all three, you combine a mastery of your mind and your emotions and your ego, and you take control of that, and you decolonize your mind, and you really understand how dynamics of power are being put in place and that they are being sustained and how you've changed them. And then you understand how complex systems work and you can tap into the skills that the system have to direct it in the direction that we think will benefit humanity, you have all the skills you need to be the leader that we really need right now. And you can be a man or a woman, but I I believe that women or people that identify as women or humans that have a strong connection with their feminine side that are also come from marginalized groups or situation, a childhood, an experience that has been traumatized enough to help you see dynamic of power when other people don't see it, that you identify it immediately because you're being there and you suffer from that. And that is the source of your calling right now to do something differently. People that have those conditions, let's say, are ready to make the change, are ready to start to unlearn and relearn these new skills, these skills, old skills, actually, and take into the leadership position and take the leadership position they have already and transform the system from inside out. I'm thinking about the human that you just mentioned, the human who is in touch with their divine feminine, the inner divine feminine. Those humans that I've spoken to who are required to maybe mask up or suppress their divine feminine or in touch with their feminine side, if they're being asked to suppress that in any way, they're not even sure how to get started in their day-to-day life. And what I always encourage them to do is find more humans that are in touch too with their feminine and to build upon that collective, find their community. And 
if you're out there, you're listening to this and you're like, I'm in touch with my divine feminine. I don't have any idea how to get started. Reach out to Virginia, reach out to me. We will help you find your people and we'll help amplify how in your daily life, how to become and express not only your conscious leader, but also to help bring the conscious leader out in others. I'm a big how person, even though I don't force the how in my own life. I flow with the feminine and the how and the what to me is not my business. The universe takes care of that. But I also take aligned action in the masculine so that I can move forward. So this has been such an exquisite, really fast hour. Wow. I think we could have several parts to this discussion. And maybe what we do in the future is we break down the three elements needed kind of in its own session. That would be really cool if you're open. Um, yeah, actually, I'm going to write an article for each one of them. So we can we can follow on that. Yes. Do that. Let's do that. Absolutely. And each time you launch one, we'll kind of have a follow up on the podcast. That would be perfect. Okay. So Virginia, where do we find you? You can find me on LinkedIn is the easiest way. Just look for Virginia Lacayo or look for Massive Change. Also, our website is massivechange.co. You can find me through there or on Instagram. Actually, I'm everywhere. Just look for Virginia Lacayo. As we wind down, closing remarks. This has been such a rich, robust conversation about the shift, what I call the shift, what you're calling massive systemic change. We talked about the what, the how, what speaks to both of us. What would you share wrapping up as it relates to your work, your mission, and how we're all trying to find each other right now? Well, I think it's maybe a call to action to our listeners. If you feel a calling right now, if you feel the call, you feel the urgency, you're, you're in a place of painful discomfort. That's saying like something got to change. I don't know what it is, but something got to change. Listen to that call because it's never going to go away. It's just going to get louder and louder. That's your own system saying that it's ready and needs to evolve, to go to a different level of evolution and identity and reality and everything. And that need for change happens in a a spiral, like a spiral dynamics. It starts with the me. Maybe you are in a position where uh, Amy was saying, I I want to get touch with my feminine side. I, I want to, you know, vindicate that part of me that is being neglected and repressed and oppressed. And I feel that I'm, I feel incomplete and I feel that this is not working anymore. Reach out to someone like Amy. She's absolutely the best person to help you with that. But then the next level is the, so we go me, we all. And the next level is the we part. The we part is when you're already in a position of leadership, you already have done your inner work and you're in a place where you feel the same discomfort. It's the same discomfort happening again. It's the same, it's your system saying like, okay, now what? Now we need to change again. It's time, you're ready. And maybe your we level of consciousness and and change is at the level of your organization. And you start making changes in your organization, creating new programs, doing some things. But some part of you said like, this is not enough. This is doing good things, quote unquote, within a system that is already corrupt. And I need to really change the damn system. In that case, 
I welcome to reach out to me because that's the level where I usually work with people. It's like, okay, let's change the damn system. Let's do something radical. And then also at the all level, when you're already doing that and you say like, you know what? I want to make an impact and shake the system of my field or whole society. It's like, I'm, I'm really going massive with this. Then again, we can help you with that. The, the point is that don't ignore that call because it's going to get more and more uncomfortable and whatever coping mechanisms you're using are going to get less effective and more expensive. And it's just going to get louder. So this is the time to act. And Amy said, the energy in the universe is aligned for this to be the moment where people step up and say like, now is the time to do something different. And now is the time to do something about this discomfort and this calling that I have. It's time to answer the call. And if you're afraid to answer the call, because obviously it takes risk, because obviously if you fight the system, the system will fight back. We're here to back you up. We're here to tell you and to help you and to guide you and to be with you so you don't feel alone in that process. But it's time for you to answer that call. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you, Amy.